you have joy. Uh, their sincerity or your humility or your peace, you know, they're ridiculed and envied at the same time. They, they look down their nose at you perhaps and say, you're just a snob, you know, you're just, you're just lucky, all right? But at the same time, I wish I had that peace. I wish I could be joyous like you. They, they envy that. So the qualities we're going to study this morning is uh, what makes Christianity attractive to the lost. Remember, we're salt and light. And uh, um, the, the uh, things that are attractive are outstanding, and they're virtuous, and they're excellent in every way. And we are salt and light. And our fruit is very important in drawing attention uh, of the unsaved to Jesus Christ. All right? We have to choose to abide in the vine and do our part in order for fruit to abound. And we mentioned the word fruit in Galatians 5 is in the singular. We often, Sometimes you'll hear people call it the fruits of the Spirit. No, it's the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what's, what it is comprised of. And uh, the, the one thing that came to mind as I was trying to think of an example, <coughs> I guess would be a pomegranate when you... You know, we call that the fruit. But when you open it up, it's got all those little red beads inside there. And, you, of course, they're all the same, but I'm just trying to think of an example. Uh, this is when you open the fruit of the Spirit. These are the evidences of that fruit. Very, very important. Well, the very first uh, product that the Holy Spirit produces is love. And it's right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read that in, in just a moment. But you know what? No matter how hard the world searches for love, they can't find it, right? You remember, I think there was a song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places or whatever. I don't remember. But uh, anyway, the world is always looking for love. And you, you look at a lot of the tabloids and so-and-so's found a new love, you know, or this is true love or whatever it is, you know, if you happen to look at any of those kinds of magazines. Uh, well... It, it, the love is fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love is knowing the person of love, who is Jesus Christ. And the only way to experience true love and to demonstrate true love is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The, um, there's a t uh, little poem here that uh, I was going to read to you about. Uh, the, the poem is entitled, What is Love? And it's pretty good if you listen. It is silence when your words would hurt. It is patience when your neighbors curt. It is deafness when a scandal flows. It is thoughtfulness for others' woes. It is promptness when stern duty calls. It is courage when misfortune falls. And so 1 Corinthians 13, I don't think it's in your book. You might want to turn there. I want to take time to read it. This is the most well-known passage. In fact, uh, I've seen it read in weddings of people that I knew weren't s saved, all right? But they knew where to find the definition of love, and it's in 1 Corinthians 13 and verses 1 through 8. Paul says, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. 
But though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, or love is patient, uh, and is kind. Love is uh, envieth not. It's not jealous. All right? It's uh, charity vaunteth not. It doesn't brag. Uh, love is, uh, does, uh, I lost my place. Vaunteth not, is not puffed up. It's not arrogant. Uh, it doth uh, not behave itself unseemly or unbecomingly. Uh, it seeketh not its own. It's not easily provoked. Love thinketh no evil or harboreth no evil. Those are the attributes of love. And we want to examine our own lives. And, and I am sure I come short in some of those areas. I have to work on it. And even though I may think, well, I got victory. I got victory over being puffed up. Um, I think I'm better now. Um, I'm soon back on, you know, I'm back. I messed up again. All right. So uh, it's easy to slip. So it requires constant diligence and observance of our life before the Lord. The second thing is the Holy Spirit produces joy. Since the beginning of time, men have sought for true and lasting joy in things that bring only temporal happiness. I remember I was taking a class uh, to teach driver's education, and there was a man there, I can't remember, uh, he was a psychologist, I guess it was, and uh, they were teaching about uh, drug addiction and driving under the influence of drugs and that sort of thing. And he was kind of focusing on cocaine. And he told the story that really left an impact on me. Uh, and that he was sitting with a man in a, in a jail cell. He was in there all by himself. He's in the jumpsuit. He had lost everything. He had lost his, he had a wonderful job. He lost his home, his car his job, he lost his wife, he lost his children, and this psychologist was trying to reach him, all right? And he was trying to uh, give him something that could motivate him away from cocaine. And so after a, a lengthy explanation of all the things that he had tried to do, he finally asked the man, he said, what is it that you want more than anything else in the world? And he said, I want a mountain of cocaine. And I thought, the world does not have the answer. The world does not have the answer. And people look for joy in many um, self-manufactured ways and sometimes devote their entire lives in the pursuit of joy, never knowing real joy. And having Christ as our Savior is such a blessing. And it's something that we, we should cultivate as we talk about that today. Many people assume that joy is found in financial prosperity, yet some of the wealthiest uh, people on earth have a different tale to tell. Let me share some of those with you. John Jacob Astor, America's first millionaire and the richest man in America at the time of his death when he died on the Titanic, said, I am the most miserable man on earth. Uh, John D. Rockefeller, founder of Standard Oil Company and the richest man in America at the time of his death, said, I've made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. 
W.H. Uh, Vanderbilt said, the care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. And then Andrew Carnegie, millionaires seldom smile. And Henry Ford, I was happier when I was just doing a mechanic's job. You know, um, we have such blessing in the Lord. We have an amazing God, one that loves us no matter what, one that has given us things that we can never repay, and yet he loves us and desires to strengthen us and help us and help us to enjoy joy and happiness, all of these things that the world seeks after. How many movie and music stars have died from addictions and uh, overdose? You know, and they'll say, oh, well, he died of a massive overdose, but they'll say it was an accidental overdose is what they'll say. But, you know, it's a lifestyle, and uh, it's important. Men search for joy. They grasp for money, possessions, fame, power, and painkillers, but it leaves them destitute and disappointed. And one day, they leave it all, and they do not have an eternity in heaven. The Holy Spirit's fruit of joy runs so deep that it can even be experienced in the depths of great suffering. It's genuine joy, and it comes from the Lord. And a great example is Paul and Silas. They had been beaten, and now they're in stocks in the innermost prison. Uh, and at midnight, there in your book, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They took note. And then um, joy doesn't rest in circumstances. It rests in our confidence in God. It rests in the fact that we know the promises of God are true. They're not too good to believe. And we know the God who made them. And God says, even in suffering, I can give you joy. Look at 1 Peter 1, 6 there in your book. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. You are greatly rejoicing in the midst of manifold temptations. You're in great heaviness. That's a mystery. The book of 1 Peter was written to Christians who were facing extreme persecution and faith. Notice our next verse. I don't know if it'll be there or not. First um, Peter 1, 7 and 8. That in the trial of your faith, you can underline that in your book, that in the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. I put a big what? Question mark? Uh, my trial is more precious than gold that perisheth uh, with fire. <clears throat> How? might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Uh, thought I was going to sneeze. May yet. Uh, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice, <coughs> excuse me, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Look at that. Hope you'll underline that. Rejoice with joy unspeakable. Oh, wouldn't the world love to have that? Joy unspeakable? Is there such a thing? Yes, there is. In Jesus Christ. And notice, 
Now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. Joy is an indescribable kind of happiness that can only be produced by the Holy Spirit. You can't work it up. You can't buy it. It's something that comes from the Spirit of God, and it's a fruit of, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Third, the Holy Spirit produces peace. Man, there is a great worldwide cry for peace uh, everywhere. And uh, as individuals, sometimes we would like, I just need everything to be calm and quiet for a minute. I need some peace. You know, you've got the kids playing in the house. It's raining like today. And they can't go out, and they're all, they're just tearing up the place, and they're noisy. And you just say, stop. I need some peace. Just, I, just sit down, read a book, okay? And I need some quiet. Well, um, some people will take a drive down an old country road to, to look for some peace. Or uh, maybe they'll go out and sit by the river and uh, seek uh, um, uh, stillness and serenity. Um, but all of that peace can be shattered in a moment. What we want is the peace that is a result of the Holy Spirit's work in our heart. This is a good example. This is uh, out of uh, Fox's book, uh, book of Martyrs. And it says in, 19, in 1555, Nicholas Ridley was condemned for preaching the gospel. He was sentenced to be burned at the stake. The night before his execution was to take place, his brother visited him in jail, intending to sit up with him all night and comfort him. Nicholas sent him home, stating that he planned on sleeping the most peaceful sleep he had ever had before. And um, that's amazing. That's really amazing. But throughout history, stories are told of people that faced death with prayers on their lips, with joy in their eyes, um, with songs in their hearts, and yet they experienced the worst that the, the world could throw at them and they experienced that peace. Christians have been slaughtered in the arenas of Rome, prisons in the Inquisition, at the stake in, in, of England, and through it all, God's been glorified. His people who had a walk with him, who had cultivated the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, they had a peace that convicted the world, maddened the world, didn't it? And, and yet... Uh, they, they don't find the Prince of Peace, the King of Peace. God tells us how to, be, uh, to, to have the key to peace in our lives, and it's in your book again, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be full of cares about nothing. Don't be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And that only comes from God. Only God can give you that kind of peace. God gives our cares. Uh, as we give our cares to him, when we pray, remember, we could be so burdened, we can't even express our burden to the Lord in words. And yet he hears. And yet he understands. And yet he gives us what we need to bear that and to enjoy the peace of his presence. And so it says, let your requests be made known unto God and 
The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The world could never understand that. And sometimes those of us who have experienced it look back and say, I don't understand how God did that for me. How did he do that for me? And we think back and we can just see the mighty hand of God in our lives, upholding us, strengthening, strengthening us, bringing events to get together to end the way God planned. And then true peace only comes from God. You know, the word worry comes from a German word, which means to choke. All right, I'm not going to attempt to read German. I don't think I can. Um, but when we are worried and stressed, it chokes at our ability to concentrate, to serve, and to make right decisions. We can be fretful and tossed to and fro, can't sleep at night. Be better to get up and get alone and just talk to the Lord. Tell him about it and wait for him to give you peace and understanding. You may not understand for a time, but the peace he will provide. And so when the Holy Spirit produces peace, it doesn't matter how great the pressures are in our lives. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The thing that we need to recognize is God's using it to push us closer to Christ. And so we have to allow ourselves to do that. What is it you want me to learn? And how are you pushing me to Christ? Let me be obedient. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Wow. Your mind is stayed on Jesus Christ because you've trusted in him? That requires an active faith, doesn't it? And then... Uh, Colossians 3.15, but let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's hard too. That's hard to bring yourself under control and say, wait a minute. I've got to let the Holy Spirit rule in my life. Peace is going to be the result. I've got to let the peace of God rule in my heart. And he says, to the which also you're called in one body and be ye thankful. The peace we find in the Holy Spirit is a peace that rules over the soul and the peace of God will preside over us in those times and it will give us a sense of calmness it's going to be unexplainable yet undeniable and it's from God not from the world the fourth one today the fruit uh, uh, the Holy Spirit produces long suffering long suffering comes from two Greek words it means slow to wrath it's the quality of enduring patiently without becoming angry. You know, there have been situations where I thought I could have ended the problem rather quickly, but I had to learn that's not the way God wants to do it. You remember when uh, Peter cut off uh, the, the ear of Malchus and he said, that's not time for the sword now. There will be a time, all right, but there is not a time, this is not the time, Peter, and, of course, he healed Malchus's ears. Peter had to learn about some long-suffering. We, we have trouble waiting for the FedEx truck to bring us something we ordered off of Amazon. Say, where is that? I, they told me two hours, all right? And so we, 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 that we live in this kind of world that's very fast-paced. I thought this was interesting. There's an illustration about Clara Barton, a founder of the American Red Cross. 
I remember my grandmother, <clears throat> when I was really little, talking about being rocked on the front porch of the Barton's home. And uh, Clara Barton's dad would rock my grandmother. And she would tell me about that from time to time. And I was always astounded. Are you kidding? You're that old? Uh, no, but uh, I said, that's amazing. Clara Barton's dad rocked you in your, on his lap? on the porch in his rocker, that's amazing. And so I was sharing that, that Claire Barton was a, a, a relation in our family uh, in some way. Uh, and uh, I was sharing it with the students in class and others, and some found out about it. And I kept trying to tell them, and I'm sure they believe me. Uh, but anyway, when I went home for my dad's funeral, mom got out all the old boxes of all the old photographs, and we all sat around the table and we were going through there, and of course, mom was, every picture was precious at that moment. And we were all sitting there looking for pictures of our dad. And um, she said, she pulled up this picture and said, well, here's a picture of Clara Barton's sister. I said, what? <laughs> Let me see that. All right. And so I thought, that's amazing. And uh, looking at it. And so the last time my mom came out here, I called her and I said, would you do me a favor? Would you bring that picture of Claire Barton's sister? I'd like to show it to some people out here. And so she did. And, and so I got to show it off. But listen to what Claire Barton said. Uh, she had been, um, a vicious deed had been done to her years before. And it was, it was a very terrible thing. But she acted as though she never heard of it. And someone said, don't you remember it? And she said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting it. All right. And so remember the work it takes to get weeds out of our garden? That's a kind of work. That's a kind of sweat it takes to cultivate the fruit of the spirit. And it takes study in the word of God and time alone with God. Uh, in your book, I think you have a quote, long-suffering is the grace of a man who could revenge himself but does not. And we have to trust God at that point to do something on our behalf. He may do it through other people. He may do it through other situations. But long-suffering says, patiently wait upon the Lord. Hard to do but claim it and ask God's help. So today, remember, the fruit of the Spirit is produced because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, and it is the byproduct of saturating ourselves with the Word of God and submitting to the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Engage the Holy Spirit through the day. You can pray to the Holy Spirit, you know. You can talk to Him, and you can uh, enjoy great fellowship in the Holy Spirit. I challenge you to do that today. Well, let's uh, allow our choir to be dismissed, uh, and uh, we'll, uh, let's stand for a word of prayer, and we'll let our choir be dismissed, and we hope you'll be back here in just a few minutes uh, for the morning service. Father, thank you so much for loving us and for the abundance of blessings that you bestow upon us and how you already foreknew the things that would concern us, that would bother us, that would require long-suffering, and joy and peace and love. Thank you for knowing those things and providing for them and help us to grow and mature and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We pray for the service to follow 
ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.